This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Profile of 20 Young Poets on Otago Access Radio, a series celebrating the literary talent of young people in Dunedin. Every Wednesday at 5pm we will hear from another young Dunedin poet about their passion for writing and listen to some of their written work. Episodes from these series will be replayed at 9.30pm on Thursdays and 2.30pm on Fridays and available online from www.oar.org.nz and iTunes. My name is Sam van der Weyden. I am a student at Otago right now, first year, studying physics and maths. Uh, I have a bit of a history of sound poetry. Um, me, myself and a friend of mine, Kelly Stightly, we both helped organise, well, we did organise the uh, Dunedin High School's Poetry Slam for the past two years. So um, we both are pretty passionate about sound poetry. With creative writing in general, um, experiences started very young because my mum is a bit of an author herself and so I was introduced into writing at a young age and um, subsequently poetry as well. What really got me I guess into this form of poetry was the Dunedin Readers and Writers Festival in 2015. On that festival they had a poetry slam and it was something I'd never been to before and when I went I was just amazed at the style um, and the passion in some of these poems. So that's sort of what inspired, or Callie and I were both then, that's what inspired the subsequent uh, Dunedin High School's Poetry Slam. But it also what inspired me to get into writing slam poetry. For the past couple of years, Callie and I have been organising this event for Dunedin High School students and run by Dunedin High School students that allows Dunedin High School students to have a, a place to present their ideas. And those ideas could be anything related to culture, politics, history, anything they find interesting, anything that's going on in their lives, anything that has gone on in their lives, anything they're anxious about in the future, looking forward to in the future, just anything at all. And it's just, it's a place for people to, or students, high school students, to be able to talk openly about it and to be appreciated by fellow high school students as well. And so we hope that this year, because Kelly and I are both at university, we hope to pass on those organisational duties to another year 12 or 13 high school student and keep the high school student poetry slam run by high school students. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't speak for all schools and I didn't take year 13 English, so I don't ex- exactly know how the curriculum would work in year 13 either. But um, I know at King's there was a lot of support for it because there was things like the creative writing competition for um, junior and senior students and then also um, the English and library, English department and library were happy to help promote my poetry slam as well. So definitely good support there. Initially there was nothing. But then with a crushing buzzing along came the universe, a cutting edge creation, a brand new innovation, a stunning sight for all, including Higgs. But Higgs didn't have time to spare to look and gaze upon this breathtaking affair. She had a duty and that was to care for the masses. So like any good particle, she constructed her field, and when done it sparkled, it was artful, stretching with strength from one edge of the universe to the other, all 480,000 plank lengths, time well spent. She was now content. She took time to relax in a warm pool of creationary radiation, allowed herself to zone out of the mental universe of ionization, and focus instead on the elation of a task completed, and uh, her first guest has arrived. 
But Higgs' delight was short-lived, for Gluon passed right through her field without even saying goodbye. He came back later on, and this time brought a friend, Photon. They travelled on through, but once again failed to make a rendezvous with Higgs. She didn't know what to do. Distressed, she questioned her work. This problem must be addressed. What sort of field would hope to impress with a lack of interaction with any particular guest? Was her failure in acting on impulse and making the field a scalar? Perhaps like Gluon, she should try a different flavour. Tailor the field to each particle and then maybe her beloved field would truly sparkle. Before she had time to invest more thought into these ideas of unrest, another two guests made their appearance. Zed and Muon strode into her field fearless. But soon they were slowing. Zed and Muon weren't running off like Gluon. Higgs wasn't going to be lonely. However, they weren't in the mood for conversation. Full of frustration, Zed yelled, Your field is a violation. You force me into deceleration while Gluon is able to speed without limitation. Higgs, Muon and I agree, you're an aberration. Please just come to that realisation and close down your field. It's a burden on our fair civilization." But Higgs could not. For her field was her duty, and this torment only continued through the period of universal inflation. She received no more communication. Photon and Gluon moved too fast to talk, and all the others left her in isolation, vexed at their velocity discrimination. For eons, Higgs was separated in segregation. She retreated into her field. Her piece of art that sparkled now became a shield to the universe that concealed her inner lost soul. She felt she had an imperfection, and this inner attention slowly drew her perception away from any suggestion that this universe she resided in was unimaginably spectacular. A lack of connection with others drew her into self-reflection, and thus began her regression down to depression. The time that passed meant nothing to Higgs. She was still trying to find her place, make herself feel less of an outcast. She'd periodically continue to ask that question of classic purpose, and the answer remained the same, to care for the masses, but now that answer lacked passion. Her duty was her duty, and that was all. No longer did she feel her field was sparkling and artful. It was now just a tool to slow others down. Higgs' despair continued year after year after year until she found the planet Earth. A planet with a place called Times Square, where up above the glare of Coca-Cola advertising was the latest cover of Time magazine featuring an article about her titled The God Particle. Long forgotten warmth returned to Higgs' soul as she found a people that knew her purpose, her role. These people proclaimed there's a reason behind disallowing any old particle to speed without control. They announced that Higgs in her field were the last bone in the fossil of their beloved standard model. Higgs had a place. And with a high-spirited face, she returned to deep space, now understanding herself. She is the base of a pyramid that stretches through muon, gluon, and photon, through physics, chemistry, and biology, all the way up to the human race. Higgs in her field give mass and thus give life. This idea of her importance was still met with strife by gluon, muon, and the others, and Higgs didn't have the patience to tolerate their trouble, so she turned back to Earth and the humans, her real brothers. Assisting their wonderfully ill-equipped physicists in their search for new particles, new friends. They depend on her extending a benevolent hand, attending their experiments, and in return she is able to gather more evidence on herself, discovering her true nature. What she found was major. Higgs and her acres of sparkling field had no parting. They were the same creation. No consecration can part Higgs from her art. The maker and the maid are the same. Because her fluctuating field hadn't migrated and still permeated the universe, we find that Higgs' previous isolated despair was in fact appearing anywhere and everywhere. And at some points in space and time, the Higgs field would start to race and climb, and maybe that's why some of us think I'm in lost case and I'm feeling no belonging, no grace, no charm in my heart. The feelings you don't see behind this face ain't prime. I wish I could have faced this grime, but the despair of isolation is encased in my mind. I cannot outpace continuous nighttime. I am not worth my space in time.
These are thoughts you do experience, and while they may not seem delirious, remember the Higgs field fluctuates. It opens and closes the gates of metaphorical weight. It activates and exaggerates and inflates our sense of being isolated. But you await the fate of abating the field's ability to dictate your traits. You appreciate the Higgs isolation resonates in all time and space. It vacillates. It generates dominating despair, but it fluctuates. It won't always dictate your great mind. Because at some point in space and some point in time, the field will decline and you will find your people. Higgs found hers. This despair of isolation only occurs in fluctuation. It will reach cessation. Look forward to it. The poem I call Quantum Isolation. Um, it, I wrote it a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, and it's definitely my favourite poem that I've written just because it incorporates so much physics jargon, which I just love. Um... It follows the story of Higgs, and Higgs is a particle in the standard model. So in physics, there is a thing called the standard model, and that is the full name, the standard model of particle physics, and it sort of outlines everything we know about the universe. And, it, and the Higgs was the last part of it to be discovered recently. Um, uh, the Higgs particle is unlike other particles and in that um, which also made it interesting to write about, but in, in that that it gives mass to the other particles. So it, um, the common uh, analogy used is if you have like a sea of reporters and you have a famous person walking into the room, then they're going to be slowed down through the reporters, but a, an ordinary person won't, and those, that sea of reporters is the Higgs field. So that's what it's based around. Um, I started writing it just because I hadn't written like a sciencey poem and I thought that would be a cool thing to do. Um, but as I wrote it a bit more and incorporated more of that jargon into it, I started to sort of like almost have a, a sort of empathetic connection to the particle I was writing about, which is really weird. But um, that sort of drew me down into that more um, life's journey metaphorical thing that I sort of ended up going towards. Um, but it definitely was a, a very developmental writing process because I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it and it took a long time to find that but then when I found it I think yeah it worked yeah it's pretty much I just come up with an idea and I want to write words about it um, uh, for quantum isolation it was I just had the idea of physics and I wanted to write about a particle and I was sort of imagining how this particle if it could think and if it was a conscious being how would it um, act and I sort of had the idea of Higgs and well, I had this idea of the, the particles in the field because in the standard model you have um, fields and you have particles and um, particles are basically the same as fields and the same as particles except that like you sort of say that a particle is the, the quantized version of a field. Um, so I had this idea that Higgs would be on a ranch in southern America sitting um, like have, chewing on a piece of hay or looking at her cornfield in the distance and I sort of had that initial idea and I was, I was going down that route but then um, I started to think about actually no because Higgs is different from all the other particles and um, Higgs also has different ways of interacting with all the other particles just unique to the way it works and so I kind of like that idea of uniqueness and just also happen to work with the physics behind it as well. I sort of write like in phrases so I'll take or like paragraphs so I don't really treat the poem as a whole as one whole thing I sort of break it down and I'll 
I'll take like a sentence and I'll sort of expand on that sentence and I'll write out that sentence and take the ideas in that sentence and expand and develop them, but all keeping to that same rhythm of the original sentence. And then if I have a new idea, that will be a new sentence and then that will follow the same process, but obviously it will have a new rhythm because it was a new sentence. It just happened to be the same. But um, So in that sense, that's how the different rhythms develop. But I also have a bit of history with um, drama as well. So I just enjoy being able to like put different emphasis on different words and have that rhythm and flow because it then it turns um, a block of text into more like a three-act journey. Um, especially, well, it's uh, the rhythm, especially, um, because I'm always a fan of that sort of rhythm. Um, but also just how ideas are presented because a lot of these poems, um, I mean, I'm talking about slam poetry here, but a lot of the slam poems approach ideas with a sort of um, allegory sense or analogy sense, and they'll they'll present an idea as something else, and then they'll sort of backpedal and say, "Oh wait, no, it's actually like this thing," and that's why you should think about this thing this way. And I quite like that, especially in how creative some of these back metaphors can get. Um, but also, uh, what also, well, yeah, what also really enjoys me in is just a bit of like sly humour or jargon or just something that's been clever about the poem. So um, a friend of mine who also does this poetry, uh, Christian, um, he did this amazing poem about um, homophones and homonyms and that sort of thing. And um, he, he sort of, the, the metaphor in that one was like he was talking about uh, people being homophones, so people sort of se- seeming the same but acting different. Um, but uh, he had, oh, I can't even remember the line, but it was a very good line, I can assure you that. And it, it was just being able to use something like with a bit of jargon and a bit of um, clever wordplay is always fun. When I, when I performed this poetry, this poem at um, this science school thing that I was at recently, um, everybody sort of like knew what I was talking about and and because of that they got all those little bits of jargon and they really enjoyed it for that um, when I performed it at the poetry slam that I organised last year um, it wasn't received like that and th- that's just because the um, the jargon wasn't understood and so things were completely missed out but um, I think for me especially it, it can act in two purposes um, I mean talking for that poem um, it has the 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 fun little story of the Higgs and acting as that little fun bit of um, physics jargon and witty humour sort of thing, um, which you'll pick up on if you know the physics behind it. But um, even if you don't, I think it, it sort of acts still as the the metaphor of the young person trying to find their place. And so I think yeah, it, it's definitely an effective tool of talking about inner sort of beliefs and wants, no matter the context of the poem. Slam poetry, I guess, is more uh, officially called performance poetry, and so that's just the difference. That um, it's written to be performed, and so I don't really. Um, if you read the Quantum Isolation poem, it will, it will just read really weird. But it only really works if you say it out, and if you say it in the rhythm that I intended it to be written, which is really hard to convey that in writing. So every the first Thursday of every month, there's the um, Dunedin. Slam Collective um, Poetry Performance at University Bookshop. And that's just... Uh, it's like the our little high school poetry slam, except it's for the entire community and anyone can go and perform and anybody can come and listen. And with that, um, 
you can perform something and then like you might get some comments afterwards saying like hey I really enjoyed this and um, you know they can like you can just get little bits of feedback then definitely that was the profile of our latest young poet on Otago Access Radio. This project has been supported by the Dunedin City Council's Creative Communities Scheme, Dunedin UNESCO, City of Literature and Dunedin Public Libraries. If you would like to get involved with this project or any future Youth Zone projects, you can call the station on 471 6161 or email youthzone at oar.org.nz. This program was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.